The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the safe sleep guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr. Fallon and Dr. Law acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respects to their elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Welcome back to Brand New Little People, the podcast where we talk about all things sleep and settling. And a very, very happy new year to all of our families who tune in every week. I'm your host, Dr. Fallon Cook, and I'm here with my colleague, Dr. Laura Conway. Laura, how was your Christmas and New Year's break? Yeah, it was great. Thanks, Fallon. I think it's been the first time in a very long time that um, we've had a whole uh two weeks off hasn't it um so it's been really really nice yeah. uh and today uh we're both dragging ourselves back to work but it's, <laughs> this is a nice way to start isn't it it's a soft landing for us it is it's a soft landing before we tackle something like 40 something emails i think i've got waiting for me <laughs> yes yeah and how about you fallon how was your christmas and new year Oh, it was so, so nice. As you know, though, we were very busy painting our house. So it was a different kind of work, but still really nice just to change pace. It required a lot less kind of cognitive effort (laughs) to paint the house than my usual day job. So, yeah, it was a nice change of pace. Um, I can't believe how many questions we've had come in from parents over the past couple of weeks. Um, I've I've put them all together and I've got almost 2,000 words. Yes, we've got lots. we better yeah, get so we going. Thought, <laughs> yeah, we thought we'd dedicate this entire episode just to answering parent questions because they are really, really great questions. Um, yeah, looking forward to answering those. Laura, do you want to um, kick us off with yeah, our first one? I will. So Holly emailed to say that she loves our podcast and finds our voices rather therapeutic as she goes for walks with the pram. That's nice to hear, Holly. Um, since yeah. Holly last emailed us, she has successfully transitioned her 10-month-old to two naps. Well done, Holly. Yeah. Uh, Holly has several questions. So first of all, she asks, um, my baby seems to be able to sleep longer in her cot compared to the pram. This means I must do one nap in her cot, otherwise she won't have enough day sleep if I do the two naps in the pram. If her morning nap is short, then I do a pram nap for her second nap as well. And this can mean she is awake from 2.30pm to bedtime, which is quite a stretch. If she has two short naps during the day, she seems to wake up overnight one to two times, rather than sleeping through the night. If she is overtired by bedtime, is she more likely to wake overnight? It's a good question, Holly. It's one we get quite a lot. And we actually have a whole episode dedicated to the idea of overtiredness. Look, overall, I would say overtiredness doesn't have a big impact on nights, but some parents do notice that their babies you know, tend to wake a little bit more. Um, but what I would say is that those little wake-ups are 
like good practice for your baby to, you know, they might wake up, but they're figuring out how to get themselves back to sleep. So if babies have not a great deal of day sleep and they are a bit more wakeful overnight, they typically aren't awake for very long. Mm-hmm. They're basically getting used to, you know, that feeling of being particularly tired creates different feelings in their body that can feel, sometimes they feel a bit upsetting and, and unusual and strange. Mm-hmm. And so they might wake up and think, gosh, you know, I've got this different feeling in my body. I'm particularly tired. Um, but they're learning how to, even with those unusual feelings, they're learning how to get themselves back to sleep again. Um, so yeah, it can be a little bit challenging, but I wouldn't be too worried about it. Mm. Um, you know, in terms of what you can do about it, it's going to depend a little bit. I mean, you might find some days it's better to stay home for that second nap so that, you know, you can get a longer nap in the cot. But if you've got older children, you're running around after and staying home's not an option. Um, then it might just be that two short naps is all you can manage. Um, as she gets a bit older, it will become a bit easier for her to manage that. Um, it's not something I'd be terribly worried about, mm. um, though. Yeah. Um, Holly then asks, should I allow extra day sleep during illness if she needs it? And will it impact nighttime sleep? So, yeah, we get this question a lot too, don't yeah, we, with we illness do. and, and, yeah, daytime sleep. Look, when we're unwell, even as adults, you know, you nap on the couch, you need that little bit more sleep. Your body's trying to recover. Um, so I generally say, look, let them sleep a little bit longer. But I would still put some limit on that. I mean, if you think mm. about yourself when you're unwell, you might let yourself have a nap for an hour or two on the couch, but you're probably not going to let yourself have a four or five hour nap <laughs> on the couch. Um, so it's the same with babies and toddlers and all little people. You might let them nap a little bit longer, but you probably don't want to let it go on sort of two and a half hours or three hours um, yeah. or it could start to impact their nights. Mm. Um, and you might find their nights are a bit all over the place when they're having a bit of extra day sleep. But once they're feeling better, you know, get them back on schedule. Within a few days, they typically start to fall back into their old pattern again. Is that what you'd say, Laura? Yeah, I would. Um, I'd also be thinking about what type of illness it is that your baby or toddler has. Um, those long time listeners, and Holly is one of them, would know that I was floored with influenza B earlier on. Well, no, I doesn't say earlier on this year, mm. but it would be last year. Um, and um, so I was very, very sick and needed to sleep so much during that time. Um, but I've also had just mild colds where I haven't needed much more sleep at all. And you kind of apply those thoughts to um, what's happening to your babies and toddlers. Obviously, they um, will need more sleep than an adult because um, it will be taking more energy for them to um, fight the bugs than um, a old, um, <laughs> an old and tired body like mine. Um, but, uh, yeah, just think about if they've got something horrible like a flu then of course they'll need lots of extra sleep during the day but if it's just a bit of a sniffle um they might not need a great deal more sleep and it might just be an extra half hour um or a little Mm. power nap in the afternoon um because they just can't quite tolerate that long period of time before bed which they normally can when they're well yeah Mm. yep i think that's good advice um, so Holly goes on. She says, Holly, thank you so much. You have several questions. So we've got on to the third one. So Holly has had some nights she, um, her baby has slept from 8 p.m. until 5 a.m. and wouldn't go back to sleep once awake at 5. This means that Holly has to adjust her nap times on those days. Her room is always dark without external noise disturbance like rubbish trucks. Shall I be giving her a little power nap in this situation in the afternoon to last until bedtime? What do you think, Fallon? 
Yeah, I think this is another one of those questions where you could make a different call depending on the day and how yeah. you're feeling. So I think, look, the occasional little power nap in the afternoon, you know, to get through the day is not a big deal. But Holly, I'd just be on the watch out for sometimes if babies realise, ah, oh, I can wake up at the crack of dawn because I'll just have an extra nap today. Then their circadian rhythm starts to kind of account for that. And then before you know it, you're finding most days I've got to give them three naps and because mm. Holly's baby is 10 months old yeah we probably really want her sticking to two naps um as much as possible mm. so if she does wake up really early I would say try as best you can to keep her on your usual kind of schedule because that's going to tell her circadian rhythm you can't do that mm-hmm. <laughs> because you've still got to get through the day and it's going to be really tricky if you woke up early and it sounds like you've got the perfect you know setup in the bedroom where she's not knowing that it's morning time it's just her circadian rhythm um waking her up early um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd keep the naps on track as best you can. Um, yeah, I yeah, would say, Fallon, at this age, at 10 months, because we also have to keep in mind, um, Holly, that some babies will drop to just one nap by 12 months. So that's only two months away mm. for your baby. Um, so it's we're not asking too much of your baby to have longer stretches awake during the day at this age. Um, mm. And I would actually be more inclined to... Um, put your baby to bed a little bit before 8 p.m. if you're Mm. choosing between a power nap and an early bedtime because we really want her circadian rhythm to um, really get used to the two nap schedule which you've worked hard to get her into I would be really saying well that's that's the hill that we're going to die on (laughs) so (laughs) I would be putting her uh, if you're really finding that she can't make it to 8 p.m. I would you know maybe get to 7.45 um, and yeah. just try to stick to that two-nap schedule. Um, That's a really good idea, nap. Laura. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Uh, okay, and, and yeah, do you, question. you asked the final one, Fallon, from Holly. Yeah, so Holly says, as I mentioned in my last email, my daughter has always required only 12 to 12 and a half hours of sleep on average per 24 hours, and that's since birth. So Holly wants to know, does this mean as she gets older, this will stay the same for a few years or would this amount reduce even more? For example, will she never be able to sleep from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. and also have a day nap? Um, She's about to go back to childcare soon uh, when Holly returns to work. I get this Mm. question a lot. My sort of thoughts, Laura, are that if that's been the amount your daughter has stuck to since birth, it's probably not going to increase at this point, mm. but we can't rule it out because every mm-hmm. now and then we get a baby who throws the rule book out the window. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> and does decide, that, oh, actually, now I'm a toddler and I'm exhausted from running around all day, I'm going to have 13 hours of sleep. So, look, it can change, but odds are it's probably going to stick around that 12-hour mark and you might find that as she approaches sort of three years of age, it might even drop slightly lower to 11 hours, but mm. it will get easier when you do eventually drop that day nap because you will get all of that sleep in one block overnight and I've got my fingers crossed that that would mean a 7 p.m bedtime and a 7 a.m wake up we will be hoping for it (laughs) yeah yeah good luck Holly it sounds like you're doing a really wonderful job when you've got a really firm understanding of your baby's sleep needs um, and um, keeping an eye on how she's functioning all day so really well done yeah absolutely Um, We also had Will who emailed in and Will describes how his baby was feeding to sleep and waking hourly overnight. Mm. 
um, working through the Sombal program helped their baby settle to sleep in their cot instead of on the breast. And she now either sleeps through the night or wakes one to two times on occasion. Well done. I mean, that's brilliant. What a turnaround. Mm -hmm. Um, He says there's just one small difficulty to iron out, which is that she sometimes wakes between 5.30 and 6.30 a.m. instead of sleeping into 7 a.m., which is what um, Will would prefer. Um, Sometimes she can be patted back to sleep, but other times she goes into bed with mum and is fed back to sleep to extend her morning sleep in. And Will would like to know how they can more consistently get that 7 a.m. wake-up time. Mm. What do you think, Laura? Okay. Well, first of all, really well done, Will and um, his partner, for um, helping their baby learn to fall asleep without relying on feeding. Um, So I would caution you against um, feeding your baby back to sleep when... Um, she does wake up really early in the morning um, simply because no doubt you've worked really hard on um, weaning off that feeding to sleep Um, some babies when they um, are fed back to sleep in those early hours 5 30 a.m onwards can start to go "Hmm, yeah I remember this I like this and before you know it she'll be waking at 4 30 and, uh, yeah, and then 3.30. Yeah, three, exactly. Yeah. And, and then, the co-sleeping starts to come in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So be a slippery yeah, slope. Absolutely. So I'd be um, a bit um, cautious about that. Um, then if we think about um, how often in a week your daughter is waking up between 5.30 and 6.30 a.m., Will, um, I'd actually be taking another look at what her sleep needs are now. Um, you have done this work on helping um, your baby learn to settle to sleep in her cot. Um, so I would, for the next week, log her sleep again and have a look and see what her unique sleep needs are now. Sometimes it can change a little bit. Um, the amount of sleep that your baby um, is able to attain might increase once they um can settle more independently in their cot but sometimes it goes the other way because the quality of the sleep increases and the quantity then decreases a little bit and then that will Mm. give you an idea of um uh what a new schedule might look like for your baby and it may be that you um although the 7 a.m is the time that you would prefer it might be that actually 6 30 is the time that um is going to suit your baby best on their um sleep needs Uh, The other thing I would Mm. say is if when you have looked at her unique sleep needs again and you think, no, it hasn't changed and we really want that 7 a.m. wake up, um, then I'd be looking at um, what time bedtime is and perhaps moving bedtime Mm. half an hour later so that your baby is able to maintain her sleep all the way until 7 Yeah, I think that's great advice, Laura. The only other thing I would add is to you know when you have those really early wake ups especially if it's sort of 5 30 a.m whatever approach you picked from Sunbell to work on cot settling i'd be applying that really consistently at that time yeah and it might be that some mornings you know she just does not go back to sleep um and you just have to get up and start the day but if you kind of stick to your usual nap schedule that day um push through the usual bedtime then that's again signaling her circadian rhythm that you can't wake up that early it makes the day really hard Mm. and it puts that bit of pressure on her to try to sleep that little bit longer at night time um so yeah be thinking about applying that approach really consistently and look i'd say if it's 6 a.m or later and she's wide awake i wouldn't be trying to resettle i'd just get up and get on with the day yeah um 
you know, mm. yeah, rather than sort of having that big battle at the start of every day. Oh, Some that babies just... will just wake at 6am and, yeah. you know, it's just how it is. So, yeah, definitely tinker with the timing and see if you can push that, that wake up a little bit later. Um, but if it doesn't happen, look, odds are it will come about just naturally over that first year as their sleep changes and evolves. Mm. Um, you might find you get more of a sleep in then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's have a look at our next question. Um, we have had an email from Beth. So Beth has emailed to say, I am working through the four to 12 month modules as I'm really struggling with my five month old sleep. I was hoping to do the slow fade approach as we're currently feeding to sleep, have all day naps in the carrier or car and we co-sleep from about 11 p.m. The problem is, even after introducing all new sleep associations, he immediately wakes when I place him into the cot. Are there any other strategies to help with the transfer? I don't know how I can do the slow fade approach when I'm struggling to even put him down. I also have a 22 month old, so I don't have long periods of time to keep resettling him, but might try to do this when my wife has some time off later in the month. What do you think, Fallon? Yeah, look, it's it can be such a battle when sometimes we as parents have an idea about what approach we want to use and then babies just kind of say, nah, yeah. <laughs> no, we're not doing it that way. <laughs> um, so it might just be that as much as you'd like to do the slow fade approach, it might not be quite the right fit for your baby if they're just waking up every time you're trying to transfer them. And I feel your pain if you've got a toddler running around as well. Mm. Um, you can't just keep practicing that transfer no. over and over again. It becomes really impossible. Um, what I'd be thinking about is maybe it is time to consider the quick fade approach where you just work on settling in the cot. So it sounds like your baby's had some practice at having the padding and humming or shushing mm. to fall asleep. Maybe now it's a case of just putting them in the cot and using the padding and shushing, um, since that's sort of become familiar, mm -hmm. um, use that until they fall asleep. So you're never having to do the transfer, but you're still there with your hands on them. Um, it might be the case that your baby doesn't love it at first. Often mm -hmm. when we put them in the cot, they're like, what am I doing here? I don't like this. But pretty quickly they realize, you know, this is okay. My parent is here. They're sitting beside me the whole time. They've constantly got their hands on me. They're constantly shushing. And that quick fade approach gives you lots of opportunities to pick your baby up and give them a hug if they're struggling with the process. But often that with the quick fade, they just make a quicker adjustment to being mm. in the cot. And then it's a case of just gradually phasing out the padding and the humming. Mm. Um, so it might be worth considering that. Maybe your baby's telling you that actually um, the quick fade approach is going to be the better fit for them. Mm. But I also love that you've got your wife home um, later on in the month because I, I love it when families think about how they can best time these big changes. If it's too hard right now with your 22-month-old running around, I wouldn't blame you at all if you just waited until your mm -hmm. wife's home and then you've got that time and space and hopefully a bit more energy. You'll be able to just dive into whatever approach you're going to use and make that initial push because I think it's that initial push that's always the hardest it takes a few days and then things start to get um a whole lot easier um what would you say Laura is do you have anything to add to that one no I think you've answered it beautifully um I would um I'd, I guess what I would add would be not to worry Beth if your five month old does push back when you put um them into the cot you know that 
they're safe, warm and loved. Um, mm-hmm. And you've done a great job of introducing the new sleep associations um, and your baby will know that that um, patting and the humming or shushing, whichever you're doing, um, is a cue for sleep. Um, and when you do move, kind of change gears to move on to the quick fade approach or when your wife is home later in the month, if you do think that you could um, uh, cope with using the quickest approach, which would be the supported accelerated approach, um don't be alarmed or worried that um, you're doing anything wrong when you're um, giving your baby lots of opportunities to be in his cot with you close by. Um, He may well push back. He's shown that even when you use the really, really most gentle approach that um, Sombell offers, that he doesn't like the transfer. So in all likelihood, no matter what you do, he's not going to be that thrilled about it because it sounds like really he would prefer to just fall asleep in your arms all the time um and that's just not feasible because you do have a toddler to parent as well and you've got to be there for both of them so beth really just um have a little mantra in your head have your wife support um share the settling whichever approach you decide to switch to um just know that your baby is safe warm and loved you're not doing anything wrong and it means that you're going to be more present for both your baby and your toddler once um you get this cot settling nailed yeah and also remember that you're making a really really good parenting decision to work on the cot settling instead of co-sleeping so even though yeah you might be faced with a bit of resistance you know on putting your baby in the cot Um, it's about minimizing risk and the sooner they're having all their sleep in their safe sleep space, the better it's going to be, um, in terms of reducing that risk, but also often the whole family sleeps a whole lot better. Mm. Um, so just keep that in mind. You're not necessarily doing this for selfish reasons, although there's probably a few, (laughs) a few good reasons why you'd like better sleep, but it's actually a really good decision for your baby's wellbeing as well. Um, so yeah, good luck, Beth. And do let us know how you get on with that. Um, Laura, we have a question here from Bree. Actually, I think we've got uh, a couple of questions here. Mm. Um, so Bree says, firstly, I just wanted to say how much I appreciate what you're doing. I've listened to every podcast Aww. episode and I have been so thankful for your evidence-based insights into infant sleep. Um, she says, I finally bought some bell after a patch of particularly bad sleep with my seven month old. While I'd picked up lots from listening to the podcast, it is so helpful to have the extra detail right there to refer to. And her sleep was back on track within just one night. Oh, amazing. Well done, Brie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's well fantastic. Done. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, so Brie has a question about dropping night feeds. She says, I still feed her between 4 to 5 a.m. and have been trying to drop this without much success. I think she's more than ready. She's eating two or three solid meals per day and doesn't wake up hungry at all when I feed her at that 4 to 5 a.m. window. Mm. But I just can't seem to drop it. We had success one night, but the following night she woke at 10 past four and instead of feeding her, I tried resettling her using the supported accelerated approach. She got close to sleep a number of times, but couldn't quite get there. And at 5.40 a.m. after she'd been up for an hour and a half, I gave in and fed her. Mm. I don't think it's a sleep pressure issue as she was tired all day after that long awake period in the night. And the sleep environment is good even at that time. So it's pitch black. There's white noise to mask environmental sounds um, and the room's a good temperature. 
She says, I know lots of people seem to talk about keeping this early morning snooze button feed (laughs) for a while longer, but I'm not sure if that's what I should expect. I'd love any advice you have on whether to keep or how to drop this feed. Thanks again. You've been the soundtrack of my maternity leave. I think that Brie might be one of our mega fans. Yeah. (laughs) Listen to every episode. Um, I absolutely love it. Uh, Laura, what do you think? Is that early morning feed a good snooze button? Should we keep it a bit longer? Her baby's seven months old. Uh, Look, so seven months old, eating well during the day, doesn't appear to be hungry when she is offered that feed at four or five a.m. I don't know. I don't think that um, Brie that you need to keep that feed. I think it's um, a comfort feed and it's um, a nice little snuggly um, habit feed that your baby has um, in the early hours of the mm. morning. So um, yeah. from that information, um, and I'm assuming Brie that her weight gain is fine. You haven't put anything in there that was uh, any information about her weight gain or whether she's got any um, underlying health issues. I'm assuming not because most parents would put that detail in if that was the case. Um, so. Mm. Yeah, I think it's well and truly time to drop the feed. She's also done it once, so we know that she can do it. Um, So I would be very confident um, in dropping that feed um, at this point. Would you, Fallon? Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's totally fine to go either way. If you just, if you don't mind the early morning feed, sure, you know, there's no right or wrong here. But I would say keep in mind that once you drop that feed, it's very, very likely that after two nights of not having the feed, she won't wake up for it again. I don't know what it is with this two night thing, but we see it all the time in Mm -hmm. clinic. Two nights with no feed and they just don't expect it anymore mm-hmm. and they tend to just sleep. Sometimes it's three nights. So I guess, Brie, if you've got a period of time coming up where maybe you've got a partner or a friend or someone helping you out, um, you know, who can give you a bit of support, it might just be a case of just dropping it, um, weathering a couple of tricky days because she will be quite, um, you know, she might be quite tired and grumpy if she was awake really, really early mm-hmm. um, and trying to get some day nights in for yourself um, to catch up on your own sleep. Um, and then it's really likely that it will all come together and, and night feeds will be a thing of the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, Brie, I do. I can hear that you gave it a good try for an hour and a half. Um, and then... Um, oh, that's tough, isn't that's it? That's really tough. Um, now, just be prepared that when you do decide that you're going to drop it, so you, as Fallon says, it's there's no right or wrong. It's certainly going to be fine to drop it um, at this point. Um, and so if, when you do make the decision to do it for good, um, just be prepared. You've had a trial run now. You know that she's going to push back. Um, and the first night might be OK. The second night um, she might wake up and just then be awake. Um, just when you've made that decision, try not to resettle her for an hour and a half and then give her the feed, because what that can unfortunately create is a situation where your baby thinks all right that's what I have to do now I have to be I have to cry and protest for an hour and a half and then I get the feed okay that's what I'll do tomorrow as well (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's so true they're pretty clever and they learn pretty quickly yeah so just stick with it Brie um and um as Fallon says time it for when um you haven't got any major commitments going on um for a few days and you have some support around you um and just stick with the supported accelerated approach if that's the one that you've chosen to use um and after two or three nights um that 
um, early morning feed will be a thing of the past. So best of luck. Yeah. Um, all How about right. the next question, Laura? Yeah, so this is Michaela. So Michaela um, has emailed us again with an update. We love updates, don't we, Fallon? We uh, do. <laughs> so she says that she's finally had success with settling her baby in the cot. Well done, Michaela. Yay! <laughs> Michaela describes how she can settle her baby in the cot a few times, but then needs to finish her naps as a contact nap. I assume because she gets harder to settle in her cot after part of her nap. We felt like she was finally getting the hang of going to sleep without being held and were excited to continue. However, that night we couldn't get her into the cot to sleep. We tried and tried and she just kept waking up and by midnight we just ended up co-sleeping again. Thinking it was just a coincidence, we gave her a day or two off cot settling, then tried again and had the same issues. On our third attempt, same thing again. Able to be settled in her cot, we just did the first nap of the day and then a contact nap for her second nap. Then again that night, she was up multiple times, only lasting in her cot anywhere from 5 to 45 minutes. It's almost as if she's got a cot budget and she's like, I've already spent some time in there now. <laughs> I need to stay with you. Um, when she's had her naps as contact naps, she is very prone to false starts. But once she goes to sleep, she can usually do a five to six hour stretch. Then I feed her and she sleeps another two hours from there. Would love to know your thoughts on the cot settling affecting her night sleeps and how to best proceed. It's really hard to push forward with cot settling, knowing it means we are sacrificing our night sleep, especially as we expect cot settling to take some time. Wow. Yeah, oh, Michaela, it sounds really, really tricky, but mm. you are going to get through this. So there are a few key things that immediately jump out. The first thing I want you to do is go to that Sombal chapter on unique sleep needs because your baby definitely has a sleep pressure problem. If they're waking up, you know, after five minutes and you know, really, really fragmented nights, mm. um, there's a sleep pressure problem. And I would say that holding your baby or co-sleeping with them is helping them get probably more sleep than they need, believe it or not. Um, when they've got a lot of closeness and comfort, often they can get a little bit too much sleep. Um, so what I would suggest is that having those contact naps during the day, it's extending her naps more than she actually needs them to be. And that's causing those false starts. So anyway, I'm rambling. <laughs> the first thing I would do is have a look at what her total daily sleep requirements are. So work through that unique sleep needs chapter, figure out how much sleep um, she's averaging and then work up, um, look through the example daily schedules and daily rhythms um, and start to really work towards one of those. Um, after you've done that for a few days, what you're going to find is that her sleep pressure will dramatically increase. So when you go to put her down for sleep, she'll be much more ready for it because you're not letting her kind of get too much day sleep. Um, so then if you start to work on cot settling, you're much more likely to find that when she goes to sleep in her cot, she stays asleep for a while. Mm. Um, and that is probably one of the key things we work with um, with parents in the clinic is first working on the schedule. So settle her any old way, but just work on that schedule, build higher sleep pressure for three or four days, and then start to apply your chosen cot settling strategy. Also, the second part that I want you to think about is go and read through the chapter that's all about the psychology of sleep, because what you're describing where you're starting off a, a, a nap in the cot, maybe, and then maybe finishing it with um, being held to sleep. 
um, that's really super confusing for babies. It can actually cause their crying to increase. So if um, sometimes they realize, well, you know, if I'm being put in my cot, I just need to scream to this really, really high degree and then I'll be taken out of the cot. So they start to cry and escalate their behavior very, very quickly, knowing that, well, I just do this and then I go sleep or mm-hmm. um, you know, might, might be held to sleep in their arms. So read through that chapter. So you've really got a handle on those factors that can influence how she's thinking and feeling about sleep. Um, so that then when you make that switch to cot settling, just make it one clean switch. So choose an approach you're really comfortable with and just apply it for every single settle. Because after a few settles that are identical, she'll start to realize there's not a lot of point in getting really worked up because I've got my parents here, they're supporting me, but they're not changing what they do. They just keep going with this one very predictable um, approach. And that's when we usually see over the course of two or three days, crying reduces, they're settling much faster for sleep. Um, and you really start to get some traction. It starts to get a whole lot easier, but mm. I would definitely do it in that order. Work on the schedule, build the sleep pressure, and then after a few days, dive into one approach and just keep going really consistently. And you mentioned that you know it might take time for the cot settling to really um, start to work. The more consistently you do it, the quicker it happens. So for yeah. a lot of parents, they say after two or three days, cot settling was actually really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep that in mind. It might actually happen a lot quicker than you think. Um, that was my huge long rant. Yeah. Do you have anything to? No, anything awesome. To I would, um, yeah, just really reinforce what you're saying, Fallon. About I can hear from Michaela's um, email that she's worried about um, committing to the cot settling because she feels like that means that she's going to sacrifice her nighttime sleep um, because she's expecting it to take a long time. And um, you know, no one's. <laughs> None of us want to um, commit to something if we know that it's going to potentially going to take a long time for whatever it is we're working on to come to fruition. Um, and the language that you're using, Michaela, about sacrificing on night sleep. Um, yeah, I, I feel for you that's coming from a really um, kind of scarred place, Michaela, where you're thinking, oh, uh, you know, I've had all this bad sleep and I don't want it again. And we all know how important night sleep mm. is. Um, but like Fallon says, if you pick one consistent approach, um, you're not going to be sacrificing your nighttime sleep. You may have a few nights where it's a bit tricky. Think about tag teaming with your partner if you have a partner um, so that you both um, have a stretch of sleep um, during the night where you know that you're off duty, you're not doing the cot settling, your friend or your partner is doing it um, so that you are going to be able to function well the next day. Um, and then both of you do exactly the same settling approach um, when your baby wakes overnight. Um, and within a few days, they will see there's there's no more variation at night time mum or dad um just completely predictable um and then your night times are going to come much better and um you'll be out the other side Michaela yeah you will (laughs) hold out hold on to hope yeah (laughs) um we also had Lucinda send through an update she says we took the plunge and dropped the third nap immediately and to my surprise but not yours (laughs) he adjusted amazingly we used the 15-minute power nap option once or twice over the last two weeks if things didn't quite line up, but mostly he's been doing really well with just the two naps. He's going down for naps and at bedtime with little to no hands-on assistance. He goes to sleep between 7 and 7.30pm and wakes between 5 and 5.30am. 
He has always woken early, so I'm wondering now if this is just his natural wake time because everything else has been going perfectly. You can probably all hear I've got a cacophony of trucks and lawnmowers and children <laughs> stomping through my house at the moment. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, what do you think? Is this this baby's natural wake time when everything is just going so well? Yeah, look, it could well be Lucinda. Um uh, sometimes for some babies it takes um, a little bit longer for their um, body clock to settle down. Um, so depending on how long um, your baby has been doing this, um, you know, if it's only been a week, perhaps in another two or three weeks, you might find that they um, that he starts to sleep in a little bit later. Um, but otherwise, uh, if you find that in another couple of weeks where you're sticking to that schedule. Um, and things are going really well with the settling, that he's still waking up between 5 and 5.30, um, then it's unlikely that's going to change unless you do some tweaking of the nap times and the bedtime. Uh, if it's working... Yeah, you could just shuffle yeah. everything along a little bit, yeah. potentially. You know, the naps could be shuffled along 15, 20 minutes, the bedtime shuffles a bit later um, until that sleep-in um, starts to get a little bit closer. I always say anything before 6am is a bit cruel. Yeah, I think <laughs> so, so too. hopefully with a bit of shuffling. Yeah. Yeah, yep, you might get this to 6am or so. Yeah, and even, Lucinda, if you work on 7.30pm rather than 7 as that um, bedtime because he said he's going to sleep between 7 and 7.30. So if you aim for a week for it to be closer to 7.30, predictably, you might get more like 5.30 to 6 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, we also had a question come through from Mwasi. Laura, do you want to read that mm. one out? Yeah, Mwasi asks, my 13-week-old has always slept in her bassinet but needs patting to fall asleep. <laughs> the big problem is she will scream when we start getting ready for a nap. We thought she hated the swaddle, but she's happy to be swaddled at night or in a daylight room. But when we enter the dark bedroom and she starts screaming, oh sorry, but when we enter the dark bedroom, she starts screaming. It's like she knows dark room and swaddle equals naps and she doesn't want it. How can we stop patting her to sleep when she's always needing to be calmed down after screaming? If we don't pat and calm her, she will just cry and escalate. I feel stuck in a cycle of patting to sleep. The first nap of the day is the only one she doesn't fight and can sometimes self-settle. Night times are okay. Typically she has two night feeds. I don't follow a set schedule. We instead follow her sleep cues. She averages 14 and a half hours of sleep per 24 hours. What do mm. you say, Fallon? I wonder if this baby has a little bit of FOMO, <laughs> fear of missing out, <laughs> because so often the ones, there are some babies who just really, really want to be awake during the day and they're not so interested in nap time. What I would be thinking about is if your baby's quite happily settling in her cot for that first nap of the day and during the night time, then if they're not settling well in their cot for the other naps, it kind of implies that they're not quite ready. So mm. sometimes babies will show tired signs um, or sleepy cues, some people call them, um, but they're showing them quite early before they're actually really ready for that nap. So mm. I'd be really keen, Moasi, to try 
um, pushing those naps a little bit later. Like it might even just be 15 or 20 minutes. Um, I'd probably be looking for the point where you can't really distract her. You know, you try to change the pace or do something different with her, but she's just not wanting to engage with it. So she might be starting to get really, really grisly. Um, then try to settle her in the cot. She might be getting really cranky because she's thinking, I'm not ready for this yet. I actually want to be playing a little bit longer. Um, so I'd give that a try. If you know her sleep um, is averaging about 14 and a half hours per 24 hours, have a look through some of the suggested daily rhythms that you can try based on that sleep need. They're all outlined in Sunbell. Um, and you might find that one of those is a good fit and, and that the settling in the cot gets a bit easier. You're doing an awesome job though. So you, you know, you're definitely on the right track and just a few little timing changes might just really help things along. Mm. Um, and finally, we have a big email from Sophie. So Sophie wrote in and she says, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you so, so much for the Sombal program and podcast. <laughs> she says, we have an eight month old daughter who has never been a great sleeper and has been waking every one to two hours for the oh. last two months. We're both exhausted. I bet you are. Mm. I bet you are. She says, I have a science background, so of course read the entire internet on sleep when she was younger, and I worked very hard on cot settling from quite early on. Unfortunately, she has always catnapped a lot, and I fell into the trap of thinking this was because she was overtired and needed to be resettled all the time. Obviously, neither she nor I have particularly enjoyed mm. this. Oh, I bet. It always means so much time spent resettling, and no one's happy. Um, so Sophie says, we've just started working through Sonbal and I'm really hopeful we can make some improvements for all of us. It has totally revolutionized my understanding of baby sleep. I've been struggling to fit her into the suggested age appropriate wake windows and schedules and always thought I must be doing something wrong. You weren't doing anything wrong, Sophie. No. Those age appropriate schedules should be thrown in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> so... Sophie says, so finally to my question, our baby often wakes up pretty grumpy and seems tired after about half an hour awake in the morning. We've just started Sonbell, so I'm tracking her sleep and trying to tighten up on daytime naps to limit day sleep and extend the awake period before bed. You're off to a great start, Sophie. Mm. That's awesome. She wakes up pretty consistently between 6am and 6.30am and we're pretty strict with a bedtime between 7.30pm and 8pm. I've always struggled with timing of daytime naps because I thought I should be super attentive to her tired signs and I think I've been putting her to sleep too quickly. It seems like her sleep requirement is around 12 and a half hours, but I'm not sure whether it's actually a bit more because she's so grumpy and tired in the morning. Or maybe this just reflects the fact that she wakes up so much overnight. On a good night, we might get a couple of three-hour stretches with breastfeeds in between until around 1 or 2 a.m. Um, and Sophie says, I'm still feeding her at least three times a night, but also aiming to cut this down. Um, but then she wakes every one to two hours after this, and I have to effectively continuously settle her from 5 a.m. because she's obviously not ready to wake up, but is so difficult to get back to sleep. So Sophie says, I have two questions. First, if a baby is waking very frequently overnight, can this cause them to be tired and grumpy in the morning? Or is it that is it more reflective of inadequate sleep for the 24-hour period? I've. What would you say, yeah, Laura? I would say um, it's reflective of the really fragmented sleep that your baby 
is having um Mm. she's waking so often sophie i bet you are absolutely shattered too and i bet you're a bit tired and grumpy throughout the day um and I, I have no doubt that the reason that um, your baby is tired and grumpy during the day is a reflection of the sleep fragmentation that she's experiencing. Um, the fact that she's mm. getting tired um, within the first half hour of waking for the day as well, that is absolutely because she's been up so often during the night and she's not having those long mm. stretches of restorative sleep that we really want to be seeing in a baby um that's eight months old it doesn't sound like she's having more than a couple of hours at a time does it fell in overnight yeah and we know we know that um you know for adults and i think this applies equally for for babies and toddlers that what really impacts our daytime mood is not how much sleep we have overnight but how broken that sleep Mm. is overnight Mm -hmm. so yeah very likely that that's making her feel pretty rubbish um, look, I would say 12 and a half hours sleep need, you've got a low sleep needs baby. Yeah. So you really will find that when you're offering, so she's eight months old, I'd be offering two day naps, um, keeping them reasonably short. You have a look through the different schedules in some bell to pick one. Um, but it definitely sounds like sleep pressure is having a big impact because even when you're giving her all of that support to try and get her back to sleep, mm she just can't do it no. which really tells us there's not that sleep pressure there maybe mm. the sleep hormones are just petering out halfway through the night yeah um, it's excruciatingly hard but like with that earlier case i would say really work on that schedule and build that sleep pressure um and that will make a big difference um to how fragmented the nights are and also make it a lot easier um to work on the cot settling as well yeah um laura she yeah she had another question as well mm-hmm. sophie she says when calculating the 24 hour sleep duration do you subtract periods of settling or being awake overnight particularly if they were quite long so she says for example my baby woke up at 4 30 a.m this morning and i couldn't get her back to sleep until 5 a.m so would you subtract 30 minutes from the overnight sleep yes absolutely when we're looking at how much sleep your baby is uh, having um, in a 24-hour period we only want to calculate we only want to include the time that your baby is actually asleep not the amount of time you are taking to settle them to sleep so that's really important for everyone listening to this podcast who is at the stage where they're logging their baby's sleep to work out their baby's unique sleep needs Um, so in this case um, where Sophie's baby was awake for half an hour in the morning from 4.30 till 5, you would absolutely not count that as sleep. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, and it might be that actually her sleep average is, is far lower than 12 and a half hours of sleep yeah. once you take into account the night waking. But remember, you're giving your baby lots of opportunity to sleep more if they need to. The problem, I think, at the moment is that they don't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you sort of figure out a daily rhythm based on that total sleep need, um, you'll start to find that when you go to put her down, she's much, much more ready for sleep. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, do let us know how you go, Sophie. You're really in the trenches and I'm really I'm invested in finding out, you know, how you go with this. So if you're having trouble, um, do reach out on email again. 
So that gets us through all of the questions. This is going to be a record-breaking episode in terms of the length, (laughs) Um, but it's so good to get through. I think these questions are so important for parents to hear, you know, and the answers as well, to know that you're not alone. Everyone hits these tricky hurdles, but they're totally fixable. Yeah. Um, They really, really are. If you've been on the fence about, oh, should I join Sunbell or should I not? Um, At the moment, we're running our summer sale, which gives you a huge 30% off the uh, joining fee. I don't even think we've worked out when we're going to stop that sale, but we better stop it soon. (laughs) So it might just be another few weeks. Um, So if you're needing help, please um, go and read about Sunbell to work out if it's the right fit for you and your family. Um, You also have the option of adding in coaching calls for an additional fee when you're a Sunbell member. And they have been selling like hotcakes lately. So my calendar is getting really, really full of coaching calls, but I know there's still plenty of times left in February. So if you want some one-on-one support, um, that is available to you. Just click the book a coaching call link in the Sombell dashboard. I hope everyone is feeling really good <laughs> after Christmas and New Year, and I hope you've managed to have some lovely rest with your family, especially if this was your first um, Christmas with your little one. Um, and if you celebrate Christmas, of course, um, we hope you got lots of photos and had a really lovely time. Yeah. Um, and that's us uh, all done for this week, Laura. So we'll see you all or hear you all next week. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. If you need help with your baby or toddler's sleep or settling, you need Sombell. Sombell is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic program for babies and toddlers aged 0 to 3 years. It contains all the best resources from the sleep clinics at Infant Sleep Australia, so you can rest easy and so can your child. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au.